you've got a different set of expectations that are coming out of people who've experienced the better with with e-commerce the way it's been mm -hmm. delivered and then you have a, just a generational shift that is only going to get exacerbated with future generations of everything is customized everything is a one-to-one -one engagement and experience and and it needs to be customized to me and in the car buying process we know the ills of the industry and how long they have been there which is the dealership experience can be fractured the the the, the connection between someone doing a bunch of research online and then walking into a dealership and hearing what can i help you with and oh well yep. that wasn't the real deal let's talk <laughs> about something else like that stuff is just doesn't it like it can't exist anymore no. if you want to keep customers welcome to the strategy with jason podcast tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry here's your host jason harris Hey, hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of The Drive, Las Vegas edition. We're here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Digital Dealer Conference, and I have Joe Kiriakosa with me. Did I get it right? Kiriakosa. Kiriakosa. See, yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep practicing <laughs> with it. With <a> Z. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. I <laughs> appreciate okay. it. <laughs> you had it all right until I had the it last all one. until we just turned on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Joe, thanks for taking the time to come jam with me today. We're going to talk everything data, specifically Polk data. And there's just, I mean, this is an industry where we constantly use the term that we are sitting on a gold mine of data. And I just don't think we ever really deep dive enough into really explaining what that actually means. So Joe, uh, I like starting off these podcasts with a little origin story. A, because I'm always fascinated because I don't think anybody ever wakes up one day and goes, huh, I should do automotive. So how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Yeah, well, I mean, I am born and raised and never left Detroit. Um, <laughs> so right there, you're kind of born into it. You yes. know, you, you sort of don't have a choice, I think, in some ways. But no, I mean, I love the industry. Don't get me wrong. But um, I think at one point, you know, maybe in like the early 2000s, there was a data point that said 80% of jobs in Michigan were related to the auto industry. So, Makes sense. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a, obviously a big part of the culture there and where I grew up. But, uh, you know, like by, by nature, I'm not really like a car guy. Like this is a really cool Corvette, but I don't necessarily want one. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, but it's, I, I do like cars that are fun to drive, but it's just, it's not like I, I collect cars or anything like that. I'm just, I just am interested in the industry itself and the ways that consumers engage and, and use vehicles as kind of like an icon for their life mm -hmm. and how that really just changes um, the way that brands think about uh, how to speak to them and how to how to market to them. Right. That, that's always been what's intriguing to me. So mm -hmm. how I got started was and I'll totally age myself here, um, which is fine. Um, in the late 90s, I worked for an ad agency, a digital ad agency, which really wasn't a thing back then, but yeah, that's, that's why I was doing it because I was like, this is the future. This is really exciting. So I went to a digital ad agency called Beyond Interactive. Now that wasn't an automotive specific thing, but after I spent a few years there, I ended up working at uh, an agency, the agency for Ford Motor Company, which was called Ford Motor Media. Yes, I time. remember. So I was there to run the digital ad uh, media buying and planning and uh and and again at the time 
I was actually the only person there that did that. <laughs> so that was 2001. And um, so I basically built out like the, the early, digital media buying and Google. planning <laughs> solutions for the Ford agency and, and really just started to set up, you know, ad server contracts and, you know, contracts with all the endemic auto sites that we all know, like Edmunds and um, an auto trader and whatnot and working with like Yahoo and Microsoft, MSN.com and, and, and um, AOL when it was AOL. Um, so so those are the types of things that I was just kind of bringing to the table because no one else there knew anything about that. Sure. Stuff. So it was like, OK, like here's the budget. Help us spend it. <laughs> so um, so it was it was exciting because, you know, we really were developing something there that um, was helping a big brand really navigate an area that was new mm -hmm. that felt like maybe like today, what like the metaverse feels like, like, what is that? Like, what does it even mean to <laughs> so us? New, yeah. I'm not going to worry about that right now. Yep. Like that's kind of how people reacted to digital in, in that, uh, in the early two thousands, late nineties. Um, but you know, for me and my heart and the people that I worked with, we always knew like, this is where everything's going. Um, so that's what got me into it. So you got bit by the auto bug. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people started with Ford and got bit by the auto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then they're a great company to work with. I mean, I wasn't working for Ford per se, but I was kind of contracted by them and they were great to work with. Good, good crew there. Very cool. Well, hey, you got a cool session here at Digital Dealer. Yeah. Was it one or two yep. sessions? It was just one. Just the one. It just yeah. happened uh, this morning, actually. And so let's 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 chat a little bit about that because I heard it, w it went really well. Yeah. We um, and then there were some great takeaways from that. So. Yeah, um, you know, the, the premise of, of the session was, you know, really uh, the customer experience for buying vehicles, right? Mm -hmm. And how that needs to evolve and change and, and really just come to this century, right? Yes. And, um, and it's a really important topic because, you know, one of the key takeaways was, look, like this is a time that's really rare, which is dealers, OEMs are profitable, there's a lot of there's a lot of money being Times saved, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. There's a lot of money being saved. There's not a lot of money being spent frivolously on, you know, big ad campaigns yep. or, or big auto show installations or anything like that. I mean, I was at the Detroit Auto Show a few weeks ago and it was a little bit of a sad state, you know, like there was not no, a lot not of presence I, there. I know, I know. The, not, not the monster things so, it used to be. So, you know, the, I think one of the points was this is the right time to be spending on improving your consumer experience, 100%, right? Absolutely. And, and that was a great, um, it, it was a great uh, point made by um, Vicky from, from Salesforce, who was also on the panel. And uh, she spent a lot of time at Honda uh, before Salesforce. So, you know, she kind of observed that being an opportunity. But but really, it's it's just this idea that, look, the world is it, like the world of, of shopping and buying and <laughs> commerce yep. is is a hybrid. Right. It's all it, it's a hybrid. And every industry has been disrupted by e-commerce. Right. No, I have a theory on this. I want to get sure. your perspective on this. OK, because. I've been in the business long enough to remember that you know, relationship selling was the key to yeah. my success, right? And 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 I understood maybe the, you know when I started in the early two thousands, you know, you know, information wasn't maybe always available, yep. you know, and so you know from a consumer perspective, you really had to trust your salesperson that this was a good deal. So relationship selling was key, and I I almost hate this coming out of my mouth, <laughs> um, but I, I kind of feel like relationship selling has almost gone away and what in lieu of that is now um experience buying 
Yeah. Where the expectation is like, I don't need to necessarily have a relationship with you to purchase a $70,000 vehicle, but I do expect an experience when I purchase a $70,000 vehicle or, or $40,000, whatever that, whatever it is. Right. I'd love to kind of get your thought on just how the consumer has changed and the expectation of that experience. Well, I think part of it is we, you know, we, you talked about being bit by the automotive bug. We've all been bit by the Amazon bug. Oh yes, that's right. right. We all believe yes. and feel and have experienced this idea that customization, like the fact that you know, like Amazon knows when you need something again, you need to mm -hmm. refill something. Like the, the the level of customization and ease of use, like ease of use, the easy button that Amazon is for all of us to good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be detrimental, um, just spending too much money on meaningless things. But um, that has has trained our brains to, to want this kind of experience with everything we buy. Yes. So that's part of it. The second part, that, that's part of it that actually has accelerated the adoption of this kind of behavior in every in every category. Mm -hmm. But I, I think uh, the bigger the bigger aspect of it of that is basically just kind of topples over everything is generational, right? Like mm -hmm. everybody that, you know, I have two teenagers, like everybody that is of that era uh, that, that was born in the last, you know, 10, 20 years is only going to expect that. Yes. And they're going to look at anything else as like using a tablet and chisel oh, to write. Uh, 100%. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, like I, that, that we would think of that, you know. My expectation anymore is that when I'm spending money, I'm, I'm my exchange for that money spent is an experience. It's not enough that I just get a steak. Right. I want the experience that goes along with it. We were at a steakhouse the other night. That was the first time this ever happened. I thought it was absolutely amazing. They brought out seven different steak knives. <laughs> and then told us the history of each of the steak knives. Oh and I got my. to, you got to choose what kind of steak knife you wanted before your steak come out. I'm like, that's amazing. This is kind of silly, but really kind of cool. But it added so much to this yeah. experience. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's it. You know, you've got, you've got a different set of expectations that are coming out of people who've experienced better with, with e-commerce, the way it's been mm -hmm. delivered. And then you have a, just a generational shift that is only going to get exacerbated with future generations of everything is customized. Everything is a one-to-one -one engagement and experience and, and it needs to be customized to me. And in the car buying process, we know the ills of the industry and how long they have been there, which is the dealership experience can be fractured. The, 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 the connection between someone doing a bunch of research online and then walking into a dealership and hearing, what can I help you with? And oh, well, yep. that wasn't the real deal. Let's talk <laughs> about something else. Like that stuff is just doesn't it, like it can't exist anymore no. if you want to keep customers. And and one of the, the the points that I made today was, look, industry vehicle loyalty and dealer loyalty are at an all time low. 100%. They are at an all time low. Well, we've been tracking loyalty for 30 plus years. The numbers, the numbers are crystal clear that they are at an all time low. And that's it's all dipped since the pandemic basically yes. it's dipped about seven percent percentage points since the pandemic which is severe because in like the 10 years before that it was pretty stable so um so that alone tells you that if the experience isn't good i'm out right as a consumer or if you don't have what i need which is a lot of why this is happening to today then i'm going to go somewhere else if i need a crossover mm -hmm. and you don't have uh you know you don't have the one i want honda or whomever 
I'm going to go to Toyota and I'm going to get what it. I need yeah. because it's a, because they have one available. So, so, so loyalty is, is huge because if you can't maintain loyalty, you're losing revenue, you're losing lifetime value of those customers. And it costs a heck of a lot more to get a new customer than huge. To keep one. So, um, so, so those are the things that really come out of today's session is experience matters from the beginning yes. of the purchase process, from the very first impression, to the minute yes. they're ready to buy another car, you make sure they're buying it from you, whether it's the dealer or the brand, but in, in either scenario, you want to maintain that customer because it costs a lot to get them back. And, and that, that experience needs to be almost linear or with a gradual incline. It can't be like what we've had in the past of these, these mountains and these valleys and just these peaks. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we're going to go on this test drive. We're going to have so much fun on this test drive. We're going to, and we're going to go here. We're going to go a highway. We're going to do this city driving. Then we're going to come back and all right, now let's go to my office and then I'm going to disappear into the abyss that is my sales manager's uh, office and I'm going to present you a handwritten offer. Spend half the day there and yeah, yeah, like that, that just doesn't work anymore, you know, and, and that's the It can't be thing. this up and down, up and down. So the seamlessness between those processes, like if digital retailing is what it's supposed to be, then that should solve it, right? Obviously, there's still a ways to go. But well, because digital retailing is a process, not a piece of technology. Technology supports the process, sure. but I still think as an industry, we're still looking at it as a widget. Absolutely, which is not the not the approach to take. It is an overhaul of the entire sales process if exactly. you're doing it right. You know, I actually and call it buying process. So the whole buying. You know process, what I mean? Because yeah. I feel like the sales process is almost kind of gone. Yes. And now it, it's it's a buying process, and and you can present the person with five different ways to buy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, so, you know, today's session was great. Axiom did a great job of hosting it and, and, and leading it. But, um, but yeah, a lot, a lot still to learn in that whole customer and consumer experience mm -hmm. domain for the auto industry. And they need to take lessons from other industries like, you know, like Amazon retail, um, and, and different part, you know, travel, like ones that are really optimized for a great experience. And, and a lot of times, you just don't get that in auto, unfortunately. And mm -hmm. and and the one area that you do, um, arguably, and it depends on you know, and this is a touchy subject with dealers. I like touchy subjects. Let's go there. Let's do this, Joe. Is the disruptor <laughs> brands like Tesla and Rivian yeah, and Lucid and everybody yeah, else yeah. that is eliminating the dealer model. But well, there's talks of Ford doing it too. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, <laughs> but when you go through those experiences, it's really easy. Yeah. Right. The whole process is really easy. Now you don't get your car right away, mm -hmm. but you've got a reservation. Typically you've got, you know, an idea of when you're going to get it and you're building a car and you're paying one price. Well, it's a, it, it's, it's a very linear process. Yeah. Right. You don't like, again, you don't have these mountains and valleys. It's not like, okay, we, we've done our two hours of negotiation. Okay. By the way, I need you to go speak to my F9 manager. Yep. In the box. Yeah. <laughs> in the hot box. <laughs> in the box. You know, I actually, I was sitting in a dealership a few weeks back and actually heard a salesperson use the term. And I and I think he felt bad. I think he had a moment was like, oh, crap, did I actually say that out loud? But he's like, yeah, okay, follow me. I'm just going to take you over to the box real quick. Oh, my. <laughs> Holy crap. I, my ears perked up. I was like, oh, my God. Not a good customer experience. <laughs> Can you imagine telling a customer? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to go to a box. Let's yeah. go to the box. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Well, you look, there's so many elements or stages, all right, to creating a frictionless experience. Uh, for maybe the people out there that are watching and listening right now, you know, 
instead of kind of biting off the whole thing, all right, what do you think is one of the most key points within the experience that really needs to be optimized right now? I think at a minimum, just clean up your own data, right? Clean okay, up yeah. your own house. Uh, dealers have a lot of data they, yes. they, and, and more than more than they realize, but also more than, you know, more, more than they've really um, done a good job with to actually utilize the right way. Mm-hmm. And, and what's happened is you get DMS data, right? So you have purchase information, you get CRM data through different channels, whether it's leads or your, mm-hmm. your website or some kind of, you know, newsletter, whatever, whatever the, the channels are. You get data from auto shows, you get data from uh, all different places where you're capturing some kind of identity Mm -hmm. and understanding a, like, why did those people engage with you? B, who are they, right? Where do they live? You know, what's their proximity to you? And then C, like, what else do we know about them that you may not have information on? You can buy that, by the way, you can connect data with other data. That's that's you know a, a pretty common practice. We do a lot of that um, with the Polk data. We help enhance data sets where you have maybe you just have an email address on somebody and you want to know what kind of cars in their garage. You know we connect those dots so that you understand like oh okay I've got all these people that are in market for an F one fifty that have op- you know, that that submitted a lead for an F one fifty and all of them already have one in their garage. Okay, good to know. Like the, this is a loyalty play that I just need to make sure I get these people over the finish line because they already love yeah. the brand, right? But if if half of them happen to be Silverado owners, well, now you really got to figure out a way to get these people over the line, whether it's an incentive, whether it's a better experience. But, but you also know how to engage right? with them. Yeah. Like see, that, that's I think one of the other key points is actually conversation. Yes. You know, meaningful. How do you communicate with yes. them? What's the sequence of messages you want to send them? You know, and, and again, like we have all, we've all been through the, you get a mailer for a car that you no longer have, <laughs> or you get a, a service reminder a week into a new purchase or something like, th- this is what I mean. Like we have to clean up our data and do it right by the consumer 100%. so that at least that part of the experience is good. And you're scratching the surface on, what it could then become, right? But if you don't start with that, the rest of it's not even, it's not even worth your time because you're just gonna create a mess on top of a mess, right? Well, no, you're 100% sorry. Data is only as good as what we actually do with it. Correct. And um, we can do some really impressive things and we can elevate the experience uh, by connecting these dots yep. because we can know more about the consumer. We can, we can understand a little bit more about their intent you know, and we can craft out a buying process that is more specific to them. Yeah, and there's a lot of technology to support that. A lot of companies sitting on that floor at Digital Dealer that can do those things. Well, okay, so let's talk a little bit about that if you don't mind, because sure. um, now, now we're, you know, for many, many years we talked about for dealers on how to pick the right marketing agency and what are the five or four or five or six or seven things that you should be looking for to really make sure that you're finding a partner within your marketing efforts. Now it's finding a data partner. Right. Or, and a, or, a, or, or a P or, um, what am I trying to say here? Sorry. That's okay. But, a, but, I, uh, but I find that there's unfortunately CDP partner. There you go. CDP right. partner. Yes. Yes. There you go. CDP partner. So uh, acronyms. <laughs> that's our industry. Three letter word, three letter acronyms and four letter words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so from a dealership's perspective, like how do I, 
how do I shop for a good data partner? What should I be looking for? Yeah, I mean, that is the, always the hardest part for dealers. And I actually feel bad for dealers all the time mm -hmm. because I know that they get fire hosed oh, with yeah. vendor outreach, right? At, at, a, at a probably at an all time level now with the way you can engage people through social media and, mm -hmm. you know, the way that data is collected, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, I think there's, there's two things you got to worry about if you're a dealer. One is like, who am I working with? Is this a company mm -hmm. that's real? Is this a company that's got some history that has a resume of brands that they work with or companies that they work with that look like, sound like, act like mine? And should I, you know, and should I do some research on, on references and things like that? I think that's, you know, it sounds very basic, but I think a lot of people are so busy that they just kind of go, oh, that sounds really good. Let me just try this out. Right? Yes, exactly. You know, someone said something at the conference, like a dealer would try anything for 500 bucks a month, you know? <laughs> And then, I hate to say it, but there's actually probably some truth for Yeah, and I not get, all, not all, but, but again, but again I guess many. that it's like, yeah, I'll walk up to a blackjack table and throw twenty bucks on and go, okay, I lost. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna worry about the twenty bucks, but yep. I'm done. Yep. <laughs> you know, so, um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, and I, I think this is a bigger deal than it than it probably is to a lot in this industry, but I, I just don't think the OEMs have done a good enough job to give the dealers the tools to do these things. Like this is yes. complex stuff. Well, I gotta be honest with you, some OEMs do a, they keep their data close to their chest. But I'm not even talking about the data itself. I'm talking about the tool sets. Oh yes, okay. Right, okay. So, so, so like I said, I was on a panel with Salesforce today. And if you ask a dealer what Salesforce, they're probably gonna say, oh, they, you know, we can do sales, um, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep losing train of thought. Um, <laughs> you know, like call center yes. type stuff and sales and follow up, yep. sales enablement, right? All those things. And, but Salesforce is so much more than that. Yes. But a dealer, but Salesforce isn't going to listen to an individual dealer. Like Salesforce has no yeah. time for that, yeah. right? The Salesforce provides a full CDP solution as an example. So does Oracle, so does, you know, a lot of companies in the space. Um, but if you want, but, but if you want to get access to something like that, you've got to have an enterprise deal in yes. place. And the OEM needs to steward those things because if the OEM like cares how the dealer mm -hmm. treats the end user, which they should <laughs> because it's their customer too, exactly. right? Then they need to give them and arm them with the tools to say, okay, for X amount per month or whatever, we're going to enable this and we're going to help pay for it somehow through a co-op program or something to say like, hey, we're gonna give you a CDP platform. Mm -hmm. And you know, Salesforce is giving us 3,000 seats on our CDP platform for all 3,000 dealers that we have. And we're gonna share data this way and we're gonna like create a program like they have with advertising and Google and every kind of yep. aspect of everything. Yep. Create a program around data and, and data enablement and data usage and CRM that is that is really meaningful that the dealer is going to go, I have to have this. Like, yes. I, why would I go and try to find this myself? You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. because at that point you get into the vendor game and like this guy promised you that and this guy promised you something else. Which I, th I see a lot happening right oh, now. I hate to say it, but I am. It, because there's so much noise in the system, yes. right? So the OEMs to me need to take a harder stance on this and build these programs out so that data flows top to bottom bottom to top, mm -hmm. consistently, seamlessly with 
you know, w without any hiccups in the in the process where a consumer is getting an ad or a, a message for the wrong vehicle or or getting a, a service ad when they don't need it and and things like that. And and that is all possible. Like that's the beauty of it. Like yes. there are companies in the CPG space that are super sophisticated around this stuff. And they don't have dealers, but they have they have products that they sell and they have shelves on stores. Yeah. And they do the the amount of data that they bring into their systems to understand how many how many um, units went off a shelf on a certain day of the week, certain time of day, certain time of year, like the amount of data that they collect on the buying experience is incredible. So anybody oh, can do it. It's just a matter of actually doing it. They, they don't have a franchise model, right? So the complexity of that is not there, but it can still be executed with a franchise model if the OEMs took the initiative to help dealers and with Joe, this, I, this hugely I, complex process. I think we could see it. I, I think we could. Yeah. You know, I think there are some OEMs that are already talking. That's the kicker, right? Yeah. Is that you got to get one person willing to jump in the water, right? And then everyone else will, will, will uh, do the same. And now we're getting towards the tail end of our time because we're pulling right up to uh, the hotel. But before I let you go, Joe, for everybody out there that's yeah. watching and listening and really enjoying this conversation as much as I am, maybe would like to connect with you or even continue some of this conversation, what's the best way to do so? Um, just send me an email, joe.kiriakoza at spglobal.com. So it's joe.kyriakoza at spglobal.com. Um, awesome. that's, that's the easiest way. Would love to hear from anybody who has questions or ideas, um, whatever. Joe, thanks so much for taking the time to jam with yeah. me today. Man. Absolutely, Jason. This has Thank been you. a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been great. Really enjoyed the ride too. Good driving. Yeah. Good multitasking. <laughs> multitasking, right? <laughs>